The views, information, or opinions expressed in this episode are solely those of individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources, our funders, or any of the organizations affiliated with this project. Welcome to a Seeds of Wellbeing Experts in the Field podcast, featuring people working in their fields of expertise to provide support for agriculture producers in Hawaii, in the United States, and in some cases around the world. These podcasts are made possible by a grant from the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources, also known as CETAR, and the Seeds of Wellbeing, or SO project, and is supported by a grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and the Hawaii Department of Agriculture. One of the main aspects of my position is to remove systemic barriers that prevents healthy food access for our residents. And so we really, you know, within my position, I work with community-based networks, such as the Hawaii Island Food Alliance, the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership, and Vibrant Hawaii, to look at how the community is wanting to address ag and food system and food access-related issues within our community and come up with collective solutions. Brief summary is that I work with organizations and departments that have agricultural interests or need technical assistance on agricultural issues. I also respond to public inquiries of an uh, agricultural nature. I have a very diverse day, and that's what makes this job so interesting and important. I try to address uh, our contracts with our nonprofits and other research institutions first. Uh, that is so that they can get their funding to run their programs. And then it is usually addressing agricultural concerns, questions on permits, helping to plan uh, events, meetings, and you know doing my own research on an agricultural issue and so on. In this episode, we talk with Sarah Friedman and Glenn Sacco, both with the County of Hawaii Research and Development Economic Development Department. We learn about how they focus on agriculture and Hawaii food systems on Hawaii Island, also known as the Big Island, which is also the county of Hawaii. We spoke to each of them at different times about Hawaii County is working to advance and support the work of ag producers on the island. But first, let's hear what Sarah has to say about her role in Hawaii County R&D when she and I met up at an ag conference in Hilo. We both happen to be at the Hilo Tropical Ag Conference, uh, the first ever, as I understand it. It's being held at the University of Hawaii in Hilo. And during our lunch break, we decided to sit down and chat about what the county is doing, what, what Sarah is doing on the Big Island of Hawaii, and some of the things related to her position, and some resources that may be available to ag producers, if perhaps only through facilitators of resources or nonprofits in the area. Uh, Sarah, do you mind just giving a quick introduction of who you are and, and what your job description is like at, at uh, the county? Sure. So my name is Sarah Freeman. I'm the Food Systems Specialist in the Department of Research and Development for the County of Hawaii. I've been in the position for about two and a half years, and I've been in Hawaii for about five and a half. I came over in 2017 uh, with my husband to support our friend's farm in North Kohala at Hip Agriculture, and that's where... I really started getting involved with agriculture on Hawaii Island, and that led to farm to school, garden to cafeteria, food hubs, and statewide procurement and different kinds of issues that then led to my position here in the county uh, where I get to really focus on those full time. My position is funded through USDA SNAP-Ed funding, and that goes through the Department of Health and then to the county of Hawaii that's the funding of my position. One of the main aspects of my position is to remove systemic barriers that prevents healthy food access for our residents. And so that is, we really, you know, within my position, I work with community-based networks, such as the Hawaii Island Food Alliance, the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership, and Vibrant Hawaii, to look at how the community is wanting to address ag and food system and food access-related issues within our community and come up with collective solutions. Wow. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm most immediately curious about barriers. You're, you've been working at this now for, for a while, and I think um, Hip Ag is on the north, north end of the island. Um, seems like they've had a lot of years of working in ag in the community and trying to expand the reach of, of local ag. 
So it sounds like you probably have a lot of understanding and experience with what some of the barriers are to uh, completing your job description. So, I mean, not too much detail, but maybe what are some of the top barriers that you see? Yeah, I'll share some of the top barriers that I've seen as a producer, but also we did a part of the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership and the Hawaii Island Food Alliance. We did a food and ag system study in 2020 that was finished around 2021. And I'd say some of the top barriers that I face as a farmer are the similar ones we found as main system constraints within the food system. And I'd say that's, you know, A, that's market data and understanding the data within the system about what to grow as well as uh, resources available to you as far as a producer. So that's another one I'd say, I think since post-plantation era where we had really strong resources through our university and through our state, now as farmers, those systems are really disaggregated and we no longer really know where are the resources that are available to us, especially as small farmers. So if we're dealing with crop issues, pest issues, production issues, where to send our soil samples, where to send our water samples, dealing with food safety, and also issues with labor, weather, you know, and climate and different things like that. As well as, you know, as a farmer, you have to be, you have to do the production, manage the business, and also find the market and do the distribution a lot of the time. And that's a whole host of challenges. And I think really leaning on, I think, in Hawaii County and within our state, we have to do better at coordinating and collective action as farmers and producers within the value chain system so that we're not trying to all do every part of the business in the value chain system, but also models like the Ulu Cooperative where it's farmer owned through that value chain system and that those funds are you know reinvested into the business and into the farmers. So I think really looking at how do we overcome those things <laughs> that are those big challenges, I've really been leaning on like more cooperation within the system is better. So a phrase I've, I've heard is coopetition, perhaps, uh, amongst farmers and ag producers, so that each is kind of taking a piece of that chain that you just described. Is that is that what you're seeing? i say each taking a piece, but if we're also looking at feasibility and volume as far as feeding our communities and feeding the state, we can't be so disaggregated within our, not only within our aggregation systems, but also in how we look at our resources. So also cooperation of like, it's really expensive to bring in different resources that we need to do our production systems. How do we bring those in collectively together to the, reduce the cost of farming? Or how do we, even within this conference, how do we look at technologies that are appropriate that would potentially lower the cost of farming and look at that collectively to integrate that within to systems as as a collective versus trying to each figure it out on our own. Like, are we looking at technologies that are appropriate here, demonstrating them, and then having a plan, a collective plan to implement for that production? And so I think it's, it can be through cooperatives or it could be through partnerships or these different areas, but I think we have to look at how we work better together to reach those feasibilities within our market system. And it sounds like it needs to be systemic. It can't be Borrowing my neighbor's tractor. I mean, that, that's, that's certainly a way, the way it happens, but, or ag parks even are, are maybe not enough. A number of folks have spoken about ag parks to address some of those things that you just mentioned. So farmers can help, well, with the co-op model, I guess farmers that are all, all growing can help support each other when, when they have a problem with their crop. They know that there's more to supply the demand. I think there's a lot to be said for ag parks and shared, you know, equipment and resources and we're through the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership. They are looking at mechanisms to have those use shared agreements, whether it's in value-added processing equipment or tractor sharing or other pieces like that. But I also think it's really, you know, important as we look at organizing and collaborating in these systems. I, and I think it's really important to have the high-tech systems and also large ag is really important within our system. But I think if we're looking at long-term food security and regional economic development, that we have to be able to have from the smallest producer to the largest producer to be able to participate in the market system and to be able to have some level of guaranteed market, guaranteed price, so there's that stability. And I think that we can get there because we, since we import the majority of our food, we know there's a lot of demand. It's just getting it through that market system and getting those support services through aggregation, food safety, and, you know, as far as production as well. Perhaps delivery, so infrastructure as well, logistics. So like FarmLink, I, I see as a model on Oahu that seems quite interesting to help with facilitate the things that you're talking about. Is that, you see a broader use of things like FarmLink? 
Yeah, I think the coordination of food hubs are really important throughout our state because they're really able to work with any size farmer to be able to meet those larger aggregation needs for larger for the businesses that are having those larger volumes. And they're able to have, the, you know, and support those services from food safety in the, within the value chain. So whether it's something like FarmLink or other partners like HFA that are willing to look at, they are a logistics company and they're willing to support within that value chain as far as food safety and cold chains into the larger aggregated services. But I think those regional hubs that act as those distribution mechanisms and those entry into market are really critical for us reaching, having those any size farmer being able to reach to a larger market and have access to that capital. Seems almost... To me, it's more critical on a, on an island the size of the Big Island of Hawaii too, compared to some of the other islands where it can be two to three hours to get from one side of the island to the next. And community, I think, and local hubs as opposed to just one central hub are maybe even more critical. I think it's really important that we have centralized systems within our community or decentralized systems. I think one positive thing that the pandemic did through some of the feeding efforts is really connected community to the produce, local producers and their area and diverting more of that food. And I think that those local value chain systems really need to grow. And I think that we have a huge issue with access and affordability within our local food system. And a lot of things that are grown in one place go somewhere else and are never really seen in our communities. And that's on land and on sea. And I think that there's it's really important to work on systems that that change that within our communities. So you mentioned your own farming and, and ag production. So can you can you share a little bit about what you're doing in the ag sector as a producer? Sure. Um, purchased a farm in the beginning of 2020 uh, on the Hamakua Coast in Nanole. It's a f- five-acre uh, fruit orchard. We have mangosteen, rambutan, avocado, tangelo, durian, uh, and we're also starting to grow some more mamaki and cacao, as well as having ducks and chickens and some other <laughs> diversified things. Uh, we inherited the orchard uh, with a pretty large fire ant infestation, and so we've been really working on getting that under control. It really prevents us from being able to sell into the market, feeling that we're not spreading that invasive species. And we're really also working on a lot of pruning and refertilization. So it, it is an established orchard, but we're just doing a pretty much of a slow rehab at the moment um, of that orchard and then also putting in new and other diversified crops within the system as well. We get on average of 140 plus inches of rain a year. And so that, that brings some different challenges as far as nutrient um depletion within the soil and also fruit fruit production you know we have these issues of sometimes you have to have a certain level of water stress before something will flower or getting a lot of heavy rains when you have the flowering will really affect your production so there's all those really interesting challenges we're very interested once we have the capital to do the improvement to look at the tea trellising for articarpus varieties such as Ulu, jackfruit, Champa deck, Champa jack, and things like that, as well as looking at V trellising for other uh, crops like durian and pulisan and other other crops that do well there, because you can also have a more controlled environment of tarping and other me- mechanisms, so you can create that water stress or protect them more during those heavy rains. And so we'll we'll be experimenting on our land over time and looking at that level of production. We were able to visit a farm in in Australia to see that production and they they've been doing really well with that type and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people that have been trialing those mes- those methods um and really figuring out how to best get the trellises in Hawaii and the best materials to use in systems but I think it's a really uh potential way for us moving forward especially on the wetter sides of the island that are looking at different types of tropical fruits that require that type of stress without having to use the certain chemical compounds that kind of water starve Got the it. fruit into into producing. I imagine your experience there and in your own egg production is is a good insight to have for the work you're doing in the community and for the county. Um, along those lines, as I recall, you were doing or, or instrumental in the garden to cafeteria program at Hip Agriculture. Is that true? Yes. And are you still involved with that, or what, tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So. Um, for those that don't know, the, also the farm to school program was piloted at the Hala Elementary and High School. And then at, about a year or so after that, they also wanted to pilot the Garden to Cafeteria program. And the uh, farm to school network uh, was really a big part in the instrument of developing those programs. And so those with us within that HUI 
we developed uh, the Garden to Cafeteria program uh, in coordination with the DOE, the Department of Health, and other project partners. And, you know, having a farm background, I was able to take uh, my knowledge of GAP and FISMA and also use resources developed by North Shore NVP that had really simplified the combination of Harmonized GAP and apply that to the developing of the program. And I think it's really important, you know, for, you know, students, not only that connection of growing food and from elementary, middle, and high school, but is getting familiar with those types of systems within production and using and those methods of for food safety and, you know, and compliance. But then also just, I think, really important to the students of being able to, like, harvest the, those foods and then seeing them in the cafeteria. And I think it's a really amazing program. I think there's a lot of challenges in, you know, I think there's a lot of talk in the last five years around, you know, first we are going to be really transitioning to all from scratch kitchens, doing regional procurement, and now we're more focused on doing the say we the DOEs focus on doing centralized aggregation and centralized kitchens that do then do distribution of meals to the schools as a way of better controlling uh, what comes in and, and the types of things are produced. But it also means that they don't have to retrain their staff, redo their contracts, and have to manage on each school level of how they're doing their farm to school meals. And I, but I would just say on um, one of those challenges of doing that is the garden to cafeteria program. Because if you're not doing, uh, farm, you know, farm to school, uh, from scratch cooking in your cafeterias, it's a bit harder for the students to grow things that then end up in their cafeteria meals. And I think that, I mean, it could, you know, be more in their fresh fruit and vegetable program, more for like raw, um, like carrots and, papaya and other things that they can eat raw in those kinds of in the classroom or or doing classroom consumption which was already happening but this was really meant to be a parallel to the Inapona program originally um, and also that is to say many uh, charter schools have adopted the garden into cafeteria program and they're not having they don't have the same limitations as many of the DOE schools and implementing into their cafeteria programs. And, but the, I have to say the program is still running. I'm not as involved because I had to, especially with the application of the Build Back Better Regional Challenge, I had to take some things off of my plate. But it is a program that still exists and that schools can participate in. And they would really reach out to the Farm to School Hui and the network to see if there would be availability, availability to participate. Uh, well, it seems critical, too, to, to get students interested in ag and ag production young uh, with the average age of the farmer in, in their 60s in Hawaii. And um, as we just heard at the conference, there's a big incentive to try to get the younger folks involved again. So that seems like a great way to introduce the, the concept and reconnect the younger, the younger students with ag in their community. Um, you mentioned Build Back Better. So t I know this morning, uh, Mayor Mitch Ross mentioned Build Back Better and initiatives that, that are going on related to that for the county. So can you tell us a little bit more about Build Back Better? Sure. So as a part of the ARPA funds that was given to the Economic Development Administration, also known as the EDA, and this was a regional challenge, and this was, it was asking um, different groups to put in applications that were coalition-based that looked at transforming regional economies. And so some examples they gave it was different, like coal, post-coal economies that were transitioning or post-manufacturing uh, communities that were transitioning. And for Hawaii, we were really, you know, some say that tourism is our coal, you know, in those ways. And as I mentioned earlier, the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership, along with the Hawaii Island Food Alliance, both participated in developing a food and ag system study that was ready in uh, 2021, and really prepared us of looking at what are the market constraints and what are the interventions needing to change that. So that we already had some really strong coalition areas. And so the County of Hawaii was one of, I think, six or eight applicants in the state that applied to this Build Back Better Regional Challenge. And we were awarded phase one. So you, there was a phase one and phase two application of this process. Uh, phase one, there was 529 applicants nationwide, and the county's proposal was chosen out of six, 60 finalists. And that really, that gave us $500,000 to prepare to do phase two, and also do some capacity building within the coalition. And March, mid-March, we submitted our application for phase two for around $100 million. And in perspective, um, 
it was really 11 federal grants and a 12th that was a 10-page overarching of the different projects. And our coalition uh, partners for the Phase 2 application is the County of Hawaii, both R&D and the Department of Environmental Management have applications in the Food Basket, the Kohala Center, Big Island Resource and Development Council, Synergistic Hawaii Agriculture Council, the Hamakua Institute, and the University of Hawaii. Wow, that's a big group. (laughs) (laughs) And through that, we're really looking at our value chain development, market system development, workforce development, research, and innovation within the ag system, as well as looking at circular economy and how we look at our and utilize our waste within the county, whether it be for energy or ag inputs, and increasing overall diversion from our landfills. Is that all forms of waste, or is it ag, you know, tree trimmer waste, or is it is it manure, or is it all-encompassing? Yes and no. I think that there's some positions in uh, that are proposed within the application within DEM that would be resource and network coordinators overall looking at increased diversion and creating different networks that work on those areas, incre- increasing that. And another piece also is looking at, you know, I learned through this process that our main export by weight in the county is cardboard that goes to Taiwan for recycling. And if we're able to keep it on island, either turning it into compost or using it for energy production or whatever is determined for the feasibility, that would really reduce our carbon Im- Im- you know, impacts as far as shipping it, as well as keeping resources that our farmers need here. And so I think that with manure, some of these other areas that would go in that resource coordination and ide- identifying the best use for those materials and keeping them from going to landfill or polluting our water. Interesting. Multifaceted. Um, when will you hear about the grant? They have to <laughs> finalize the, the contracts by September 30th, the end of the fiscal year. So they haven't given an official date. Kristen from the Food Basket, myself, and Nicole Milne from the Kohala Center. Last week, we were in D.C. They had a Build Back Better Regional Challenge uh, conference for all the 60 finalists nationwide. And they really talked about how they're committed to helping us all find funding for our projects and that these types of coalition projects that won the Phase 1 are the type of economic development that will make transformative change uh, through our nation. And this is the type of economic development I think that the federal government is looking into investing in over time. And so I think they'll be, we're also part of this long-term cohort within that, within that 60 finalists that they're really committed to supporting through that. So, and I also have to say that the county, whether or not we receive the Build Back Better Regional Challenge funds is committed to finding funding to all of these projects. And because we're committed to it in general, whether we get it for the federal funds or not, we'll be continually fundraising to move it forward. Well, that's great. Speaking of funds and fundraising and financial resources, <laughs> um, if as, as an ag producer, um, as, which is our target audience for the podcast, if ag producers are interested in partnering with you, with the county, for financial assistance, for for other types of assistance, what would you say is available or the ways to, to try to move through that process effectively? Sure. So the County of Hawaii, you know, and I specifically R&D, we have an innovation grant that comes out each year, but that's available to the university or to nonprofits, so not essentially to businesses. And there's specific parameters around innovation within different areas within our department. And so I think for the average producer, the county doesn't offer funds for agriculture. I think there are programs that come through the state, such as like the cokey frog and spraying and those reimbursement things are things that are related to pest management. But often we can help steward and identify where there are potential resources for producers, such as through NRCS and the EQIP program, and if those might be suitable, uh, and if you would be eligible for some of those programs. So we often might know what other funding sources are available to producers, but we're not often the source of those funding, especially for for businesses themselves. I think what we'd also really recommend is, or what I'd recommend is support you know, working within the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership or these other community-based networks um, as we go after and su- have those supportive resources through collective processes. Is that Ag Partnership open to any producer on the island? or Anyone, yes. There's no membership fee and anyone can participate. Great. Um, so is it, would you say first stop would be to maybe connect with that group and look for local resources and then as opposed to 
sending sending you an email, for example. What's most efficient, right? I mean, I'd also say that you know, Go Farm has a really great website with a lot of resources that are available to farmers that when they're looking for support. And CTAR, you know, is also as an extension service, they are also there to support and identify resources for producers as well as NRCS and reaching out to those agents that you have locally. People can definitely feel free to reach out to myself or Glenn Sacco, the ag specialist, as we can connect or support into resources. But I think as for the Hawaii Island Ag Partnership, it's really, it's not maybe a place where that's where you go to get resources, is that that is a place where you go to collaborate, to identify how to collectively solve issues or how to develop agreements within within your sector, within certain partnerships to move forward in a way that's effective. And through their, they're really going to be looking at, too, a market system development program where you look at data, identify interventions, and implement those interventions to see if they make an impact within the system. So that space is, is really for that collective action and change and also identifying those public-private partnerships within the industry. Okay. So when might I want to reach out to your office as an ag producer, if I were an ag producer? Just, you think that's probably better to go through, you know, Koala Center, Go Farm, CTAR, NRCS, those folks first, and then they, because you're really there, it sounds like you're really there to serve those types of folks as opposed to the, the direct farmer or ag producer. Yeah, I think there's definitely those community resources, as you mentioned, are folks that are, that do provide this um, business and technical service assistance. Um, I can say that one of the, I think that uh, GoFarm and also the Kohala Center and other partners created a, a hui of TA providers within the state. And I know that through their work, whether that is also included in the Build Back Better regional challenge, but even without that, they're working on more streamlined processes to identify those different areas of support needed by farmers. And so I think that really leaning into your the areas of the technical assistance that are available within your community. And if you don't know what those are and you need support connecting, I think coming to the county is a great idea because then we might be able to connect to where those resources are, who you would be able to connect with. So we might not have the resources, but we hopefully know where to connect people to. Okay. Is there a, a contact us form or what's the best way to, to reach out to the office? I, I can put that in the show notes if, if you feel like there's a best way. There's an R&D website that has all the contact information that would have our email addresses and phone numbers. Cool. I can post that. That sounds great. Well, we have a conference to get back to, but um, just since we are at the conference, any takeaways from the conference that you think are especially appropriate to what you care about and what you're working on for the county? Yeah, it's a lot of really interesting information, and I'm still really digesting a lot of it. I think that um, it's a lot of uh, a really great technology out there. And I think where I really like to see as we move forward in this conference or in future conferences and conversations about how it's really applied here, you know, what the what kind of investment would it take from farmers to, to utilize that type of equipment and those types of services, whether it would be a service model or whether it would be something they'd be able to purchase themselves. But just really, like, I'm interested as, yes, there's a technology out is out there. How do we apply it here? How does it financially work for our farmers? And really continue brainstorming of how that would work and how do we support within that process. And this, this is maybe more my agenda, but vertical ag has been talked about a lot, I know, at the conference. And I'm Last I heard, it would be about $150,000, I think, to bring in a Matson container that was set up and ready to, to go with vertical, uh, which could be perfect in certain parts of the islands or any of the islands, especially the more desert climates. But do you see that as, as happening on the islands, on the big island anyway? And in, in your role, have you seen people starting to look at trying to adopt that? Not personally as much. I think that it is a really interesting concept. I think that there, again, it's the ROI, like, if you make that large investment for that container with a product that you're able to develop and what you're able to sell it at in that market, like when are you going to be able to make that money back? And is that technology still going to be sufficient by the time you reach that point? And then also just with a really high energy cost that we have in Hawaii, what impact does that have on that resource? So I think they're really important technologies and can be applied, but there's also still a lot of 
issues and systems uh, that are with within the space, you know, and within the market that would really drive whether that's a feasible for a producer to take on or not. I do know that the, you know, there's there's different work happening with some of those things that are also connected to the university and the community college. And I think there's a lot of innovation still to be done to see how some of these things are appropriate and applied in Hawaii, especially related to costs and especially related to energy costs. No, thanks. I keep hearing from our ag producers, fin- financial stressors are, are up the top. And in that category can be just coming up with all the financial statements that are necessary for financing or for having a good strategy as, what's, as to what's profitable and, and knowing that you're growing the right crops and the right volume. So it sounds like it's another case where you really have to, you have to do a lot of math. Yeah. <laughs> you have to do your math and do your homework um, up front to make sure it's going to be worth it. So. And that's why I think that with the state looking at institutional purchasing or whether that is also through our, you know, our markets like Costco, Walmart, Safeway, I really think that if we want to increase production, we have to do forward contracting and we have to have a guaranteed market, guaranteed price and better access to technical assistance and services within the system so that that farmers know that if they, they, they don't have to question if they grow that extra, you know, like broccoli that they have a market for it and it takes some of those things out and that can be in a commodity pool relationship of you know expansion of a co-op and or it could be more informal as well Um, but I think that that for me I think that's how we have to move forward if we're going to be increasing production we don't want to move product from one place in the market to the other and we want to create more security for our producers to know that they can grow and become and reach that more economically viable point within their production system so I'm really hoping that as we talk about it, we look at how we guarantee that market and guarantee the price. Well, it seems like the perfect way to end. <laughs> <laughs> I like that kind of summed it all up right there, I think. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks so much for what you're doing for the county, for the islands. And um, it sounds like you've moved the needle in a lot of ways so far in your short time here. So thank you so much. Fingers crossed. Thanks. <laughs> we next speak with Glenn Sacco and his somewhat different role and perspective on the work of Hawaii County R&D. So I'm Glenn Saku, Economic Development Specialist in Agriculture. That is my, I guess, official title. Uh, I have uh, 17 years of experience in the macadamia industry. I also worked as an extensions uh, agent with the University of Hawaii. I've spent the last eight years in this position as an Economic Development Specialist. I also have a small landscape nursery and I do some uh, landscape maintenance also. So I'm uh, pretty much spread out all over the place. So in a agriculture specialist, brief summary is that I work with organizations and departments that have agricultural interests or need technical assistance on agricultural issues. I also respond to public inquiries of an uh, agricultural nature. What is a typical day? I have a very diverse day and that's what makes this job so interesting and important. I try to address uh, our contracts with our nonprofits and other uh, research institutions uh, first. Uh, That is so that they can get their funding to run their programs. And then it is usually addressing agricultural concerns, Uh, questions on permits, helping to plan uh, events, meetings, and, you know, doing my own research on an agricultural issue and so on. Are there specific issues you're researching right now that you could share? Uh, Well, actually, one of the big things that I'm working on right now is trying to set up or go through the permitting process to set up a marine aquacultural park in Hilo Bay. Uh, One of the industries we are looking to lift up and we think there's a lot of upside potential is aquaculture. Um, Land on Hawaii Island, although, you know, moderately priced compared to the other islands, is still a limiting factor and is quite expensive. And we think that there's an opportunity to set up um, an aquacultural park in Hilo Bay to promote the production of oysters. It is uh, going through the permitting process is quite daunting. And there's a lot of steps and uh, hoops that we're going to have to jump through. So right now, I'm, you know, I've been attending some webinars. I've been in 
uh, communication with the Department of Land and Natural Resources, with the University of Hawaii at Hilo's Pacific Aquaculture Research Center, and also with uh, other nonprofits that have an interest in uh, aquaculture in Hawaii. I mean, I think that's a good example. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about it. As I understand it, the county is is working in support of a variety of things, right? Local food production and its quality, uh, productivity, safety, increased consumption, you know, trying to promote a lo- more, more local consumption as well. So consumers as well as producers, yeah. Right. Um, and then you mentioned the hydro and aquaponics um, invasive species, which I, I guess in my opinion includes people that are invasive of other people's property, so theft, um, soil, water conservation, affordable farm worker housing, which I think is that one that you work with Sarah on, who we spoke with earlier? That's correct. Right. Uh, and, and I think general infrastructure development, um, it seems like, is is something that, that the county and, and you folks in R&D focus on, and as well as strategic and emergency food plans, yeah. Um, I don't know if yeah. I, I feel like that that's pretty much the broad spectrum of things. Do you feel like I left anything out there? No, that's that's about it. It well, sounds like a lot. <laughs> and you know, there is just uh, Sarah and myself working on agricultural issues and uh, the food systems. Okay, and that sounds like eight years has 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 the program, the R and D program, been around for many years uh, before that as well, well. It is in the county charter, and uh, it is a separate department that uh, has an appointed director and deputy director. So. You know, we are a small department. We don't we don't um, normally get the publicity like the other departments because we are kind of working in the background. Um, you know, compared to such as uh, public works or parks and recreation. But uh, you know, our department helps Hawaii County's economy, and it also steps up when projects and issues do not fit the mission of the other uh, departments. And, sounds uh, that sounds like it's hard to understand where to spend your time and what to focus on, right? It seems like you're kind of picking up the pieces for all the things that are maybe unmet needs that, that are identified. Is that a fair statement? Um, I'd say unmet needs, but also the other departments kind of have their mission and a lot of things that do not fall within it. It's going to be like, well, who's going to, who has the capacity to address it? Uh, For instance, you know, feral pigs right now is uh, a big issue and we've been getting complaints about it. And while the complaints may go to the mayor's office, they do, you know, uh, turn it over to our department and basically me to look into it and to address the uh, public's uh, concerns. You know, trying to work on solutions or a program to help uh, mitigate the impact of feral pigs on agricultural producers and the neighborhood. That's a great example. I mean, I, I can identify with it because of where I am. It's an issue for sure. And I've tried a variety of things and my neighbors have. And so what kinds of programs are you working on and, and with whom in order to try to address that type of an issue? There are, there are some methods that you know, can be used to, to take out the uh, feral pigs. Uh, however, we also mindful that you know, the feral pigs have a place in Hawaii's culture. And um, just off the top of my head, half the people like to feed them and watch them. And the other half wants to get rid of them. And so uh, as the uh, as a county department, we need to be mindful of this. And we try to come up with solutions that have the least impact or the least uh, negative impact. And so uh, we're looking at some, ish- some methodologies. Uh, there's this pig brig, which can trap the whole, what we call sounder or the herd of uh, pigs. And uh, because you have to remove at least 70% of the uh, hogs in a group in order to have uh, impact on their population growth, anything less, and they will continue to grow. So the problem, though, with the pig brig is unless you have a, you can install an opening to drive the pigs out into a perhaps a trailer, some way to remove them, and then you can, you know, euthanize them for so that you can perhaps utilize their meat. The From what I've seen in the videos, there is no existing chute or exit for it right now. And so they had to put down the uh, pigs with uh, with firearms. 
Now, if you're out in the wild doing that, you know, that's fine. But many of these pigs are impacting neighborhoods. And to have a gunshot in a neighborhood is then going to cause a negative reaction from the public. So these are things that we are trying to work on to see how we can best uh, introduce methodologies that would be able to accomplish the uh, purpose, but, you know, reduce the uh, negative impact from a public perception. And if you have half the people that want them and half the people that don't, it sounds like it makes it an even more complex puzzle for you to try to manage as the county representative, right? It's hard to keep everyone happy when when yeah. half feel one way and half the opposite, yeah? Right. <laughs> so um, that is rather a long list of things that you support and work on that I just listed. How do you come up with what that list is and then what the priorities are? I kind of will, based on the, my feeling for the different industries, we'll look at areas that I think I can impact with our small budget and limited time. And um, again, you know, we're looking to lift up new industries that can have, uh, that have growth potential and, you know, can make an impact. We have existing agricultural industries such as papaya, macadamia, coffee that, you know, they're, they are established. They have their um, support in place. They have also support from the University of Hawaii. And so, you know, there's uh, places that they can turn to for support. Something such as aquaculture. Although there is a, uh, there are aquacultural agents, there's still, you know, this uh, permitting issue is quite daunting. So that's something that I felt that, you know, I would focus on. Other things that like the invasive species, that's always an issue. I mean, the, I guess you could consider the feral pigs an invasive species, although, you know, it's been brought over here a long time ago. Uh, but we're constantly being in, having new invasive species being introduced, not only from the mainland, but actually from, you know, the other counties that have them and have and we have not received it yet on Hawaii County. So there's a couple Cokey, of them. Cokey frogs, Cokey frogs. Think, immediately comes to mind for me, right? <laughs> well, that one is, um, well, that the other counties are concerned about it coming to their county from Hawaii. But, um, you know, there's the uh, coconut rhinoceros beetle in Oahu. And we are concerned about it being uh, established here on Hawaii Island. So there is Big Island Invasive Species Committee has set up traps around ports of entry to make sure that in case any of them should come over we're trying to get an early detection um there's also a devil weed that was recently identified at the um, racetrack and also in puna and so we are you know directing funds to help bisque to try to eradicate identify and eradicate it as soon as possible so you and sarah in your role with with research and development have are responsible for that the entire island of, of the Big Island of Hawaii, the entire county, yeah. That's correct. We are uh, we deal with the on the county level. Okay. And are there? Do you have counterparts on all the islands? Uh, yes. There's uh, economic development uh, departments in the other counties, and uh, you know I've had conversations with a couple of them. Because the podcast is um, is about all the islands, so. Like, for example, Lanai and Molokai, do they have agents yeah. like you? They would probably come under Maui County, since uh, Maui County oversees those two. So uh, Maui does have quite a robust economic development department and recently, I guess, authorized a establishment of a Department of Agriculture. And although its responsibilities are not the same as the Hawaii Department of Agriculture. I imagine that makes sense because as you just described, there are issues, invasive species issues on one island that the others may not have at all and certainly may not want. Keeping them at a, at a very local level sounds like it's much more efficient because it's just a matter of identifying the issues and priorities of those issues on a county by county basis is probably the most effective and efficient. Mm -hmm. So research and development, it was actually kind of a surprise to me to hear there's a research and development department. You're kind of the unsung heroes, it sounds like. So maybe it's not that unusual that people don't know that it exists. But um, so it sounds like there is actually a lot of research that has to happen. You have to reach out to a, a number of different agencies to kind of understand what the major issues are and the priorities. Is that a fair statement? 
Um, no, I'm going to say we don't normally go out and ask the uh, other departments what kind of issues they have that, that we might look into for them. That's uh, not what we do. But they will, if they have, say, an agricultural issue, you know, they have reached out to me. The civil defense has worked with Sarah on the emergency food plan. So, you know, they know who we are. The funny part when you talk about, you know, people not being aware about our department is I actually, uh, in a previous administration, sat down with one of the uh, legislative aides of a new council member. And the aide asked me, where is your laboratory since you are research and development? <laughs> and I said, no, we don't have a laboratory. We're not conducting that kind of a research. So even within our county, there's uh, some misconceptions about us. So it sounds like you identify issues. Some of these things you're doing yourselves at the county level, like the uh, permitting you mentioned. Um, but are, it sounds like you work a lot with other agencies, nonprofits and university mostly. Is that correct for funds and assistance? Typically, right. Again, because we're a small uh, budget and a small department, we need to access other uh, departments and agencies that have more capacity. So Typically, the University of Hawaii is our one of our main uh, research institutions that we would uh, work with and um, to support their their program. And as long as it is in agreement with what we feel is needed here on this island, um, we don't uh, we don't fund all of their projects. We have turned down some that we felt you know would not impact our agricultural industry as we feel it should. Uh, we also you know will work with state and uh, other uh, agencies within the state, such as Department of Health and the Hawaii Department of Agriculture, especially their marketing division. So we've got, you know, a good uh, relationship with these other uh, departments, agencies, and organizations to, you know, help move our programs forward. All your funds, I imagine, come through uh, through the county, through the tax system, yeah? And then you are sometimes a vet different projects and provide resources to those different projects, nonprofits, for example. Is that true? Yeah, because we have an annual innovative grant program in which uh, we give the uh, nonprofits the opportunity to submit proposals in different areas within our department. And uh, we have a committee that will review these proposals and grade them or rank them. And then, you know, those that make the uh, minimum qualifications, will the director will have the final say on whether he, will, or, he or she will approve the uh, a ranking for the uh, proposal. And uh, then may also uh, adjust the budget as uh, needed to make it fit within our budget, but still be able to hopefully achieve the uh, purpose of the proposal. And that then goes out to the um, submitting organization, and they have the option. If the budget is reduced, you know they have a, they have the option to change their uh, scope to fit the budget, or to you know they can also turn down the award. So there's there's that opportunity. Can you give some examples of some of the projects um, that have been funded with the innovation grants? Sure. Uh, recently, one of our, the biggest projects that we funded this past fiscal year, which just ended uh, June 30th, yeah. the students at uh, Kau High School, some, uh, well, the, their organization submitted a project to build uh, greenhouses using solar panels to power their aquaponic project. And they were going to uh, set up this uh, aquaponic project, in, which also included hydroponics as a um, teaching education center. And then products from this uh, project would be used for their um, school program, food feed program, lunch program. And also they were going to distribute that back to the community for those who are in need. So this uh, project was funded to the amount of $75,000 which is uh, because there were three different phases to this project. So that was uh, one of the biggest funding projects that I've seen in a while. We also supported two contracts with the Big Island Invasive Species Committee to control devil weed. So that was uh, you know, recently discovered, as I had mentioned earlier. And so we are trying to identify the areas and to eradicate it as quickly as possible because devil weed uh, spreads very easily. It is toxic 
to livestock. Uh, some people have also experienced allergic reactions coming in contact with the plant. And it will take over areas that are bare and then would also become add fuel to possible range fires. So we are concerned about it getting over to the west side where thousands of acres of our pastures have been killed by the two-line spittlebug. So there's two invasive species here that is potentially impacting our pastures and contributing to the potential for damaging range fires. So that's uh, there were two contracts for that. We're also working with the University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources to develop protocols to grow garlic here on Hawaii Island. Now, garlic requires cold temperatures to you know, form the bulbs. And so it was uh, successfully done on Oahu. Uh, these extension agent, Jensen Ueda, uh, developed the protocol there. And now they wanted to bring it here to Hawaii Island. We are very interested in this because we have heard fresh garlic, locally produced fresh garlic, had been sold for as much as $7 a pound. And uh, it would be nice to you know, grow our own products here so that we don't have to import or reduce the amount that we import from the mainland, which then reduces the opportunity for other invasive species to hitchhike into our beautiful climate. So we, we have a contract with them. They planted garlic in three locations, Hilo, Waimea, and Kona. And so far, they've only had... Uh, They've only had success in the Waimea site. And the garlic that they grew was very nice. Uh, we are, you know, looking at the what happened at the Kona and the Hilo sites and trying to make adjustments so that we can develop protocols to, to grow the garlic here at those two other sites. Yeah. Sounds like you have a pretty complex algorithm you have to run everything through to understand what gets funded. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all these variables, like even within a project, yeah. Sure. I mean, we, you know, not all projects are successful, unfortunately, but, you know, we, we try to see what uh, happened and if we can make adjustments and, you know, see if we can then achieve our, what we're, uh, our goal. It must be a struggle every day to understand what the priority is and those shifting priority, those priorities I imagine shift uh, based on a number of variables. You you just got to turn off one part and start moving in the other. As, as I understand it, the funds are, are for the public good too, right? So that's always has to be first and foremost. And so that's that's why, for example, the feral pigs, that's something that's been identified, that's well-known, that's well-established. It's a rather complex problem. But I, on, on my farm, for example, as an ag producer, wouldn't go to you directly to try to help with feral pigs normally. Is that usually funded through one of these other agencies or nonprofits that are managing it. So I, as a producer, really just would see the impact as opposed to going directly to you for funds. Is that accurate? Well, okay. So as a producer, if you were to come to me directly and asking me for support for uh, feral pig control, as much as I understand the problem and can sympathize with it, with you about it, I cannot the county rarely gives funds to an individual producer. I'm, I'm just going to say rarely. I'm not aware of where this, if this has happened, but I'm just going to say rarely just, just to kind of cover my bases because, you know, we are obligated to work with nonprofits and other or fiscal agents. Now, that being said, you know, there was a Department of Agriculture microgrant program last year that, um, you know, we we supported because the funds came down from the USDA. It was run through the state and the state asked the different counties to review the these applications. Uh, this was an unusual uh, grant in that this time, yes, the, the producers who uh, were approved with their proposals would receive the funds directly. And the purpose of the funds was for to increase food production. And increasing food production also meant keeping keeping feral pigs out of your garden or farm. So then people could have put in for fencing. Unfortunately, we're still waiting 
for you know this uh, program to get the funds out to the uh, approved uh, producers which i'm not sure what has happened to that it must be frustrating for everyone right because you have the ag producers asking you when are the funds going to be here when are the funds going to be here and you're asking the same question yourself and kind of don't have much control over it is it is that true yeah it's out of our hands we submitted our uh, recommendations for funding to uh, Department of Agriculture. My understanding is that they are waiting for the USDA to approve the recommended list. So it's a matter of the USDA gave funds, which moved down, but now we're submitting our reports back up to USDA and we're still waiting for approval from them. Uh, this program is supposed to run for two more years. And so there's actually supposed to be two more rounds of funding. But um, with this first one being held up, uh, we're not sure what's going to happen to this program. And it strikes me that there's a lot of funds available, right, at the federal, state, and local level. However, again, my opinion is that the county probably knows best, like the local knows best what the needs are and the priorities are. Um, even more so, I would say in Hawaii, maybe even more so than most states because of the variety of the islands and the segregation of the islands, the county probably knows best, right, as far as how the most efficient uh, or effective utilization of funds. And then, sure. so it, it almost sounds like your role in helping streamline the process and the paperwork and the funding and getting and prioritization um, almost seems like the most effective utilization of federal funds, like federal funds are divided amongst the states and the states depend on the counties to then effectively manage and implement is that that strikes me as the most efficient solution for federal funds anyway. Sure. It sounds like a lot of what your time is spent doing. Mm -hmm. is, is, mm -hmm. Like I, I think of all the permitting, right? The regulations that it would take mm -hmm. to get oysters in Hilo Bay. And it's like, it, it, I would give up, right? Just trying to think about it. But it sounds like you're in there just chipping away at it and getting it done. Well, yeah, if, if you were to, you know, ask a someone who's into aquaculture, if they're willing to go through that permitting process, they're going to say, you know what, I don't have the time. I'm, you know, I'm busy working. So I'm not saying that I have the time, but I, I feel like, and I have this vision that we could set up a marine aquaculture park in Hino Bay and... You know, there's, uh, I've talked to a couple sources uh, within the industry and they feel it could be done. They're excited about it too. And so me, without my aquaculture experience, I'm willing to do the research and to start taking the steps to, to do this. And of course, there's still a lot of work to be done. I'm not going to, you know, be naive and think that it'll be done within a year. I'm thinking, you know, because of the environmental assessment or environmental impact statement that needs to be done, there's going to be a, a lot of hoops that I'm going to have to uh, guide this uh, whole process through. You have hope and a vision and and you're tenacious, right? Onipa'a, I guess. <laughs> Make sure you're steadfast and just one foot in front of another, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, again, the, the funny part, and people people tease me about this, but I don't eat oysters. I'm not into that. Um, there's an, another thing. I raise other plants that I don't eat, but I give them away. So uh, here's another thing is oysters that I'm willing to put my time and effort into, but uh, I might eat one. Well, someday <laughs> when, it's, when we get the permit and we pull out that first oyster, I might... Maybe I'll eat it. I think you should. I think you should. But especially if it's a number of years and, and a lot of heartache to get there. I mean, all these programs and things that you're working on to me are fascinating as an ag producer. So is there a website or someplace online I can monitor the, all the things that you're working on and the status or anything like that? Well, you know, we do have a, a website and it's found on the, on the county site. Unfortunately, we don't have our uh, technician to update the site on a regular basis. We are looking to fill that position at this time. And so many of the, I was just looking at it recently, you know, a lot of it is uh, still from the COVID times and we need to start cleaning up that website. So hopefully I'm going to say, oh, because we work for a county, maybe six months, we'll have someone on board who can help uh, me start to clean up this uh, site and 
start posting uh, more relevant and up-to-date uh, information. If I'm an ag producer kind of interested in, in the feral pig issue, for example, like actually literally yesterday, I, I got an email or, or an ad pop up in one of my social media feeds about the pig brig, right? It is and, and that may be exactly what you were describing, the same vendor that you were talking about for the feral pigs and ways to capture them. Um, uh -huh. but, and so I see that ad and I think, you know, is it worth the $2,500 that they want to charge for the pig brig? And will that be effective? And all the issues that you just described run through my mind. So, yeah. and if it's an issue you're working on, I, I would much rather wait for you to come up with a better solution that I know is, is going to be as effective as possible. So if I wanted to find out what the status was of that or ask more about that, would I reach out to you or what's, I, again, I don't want you to be inundated because that takes time away from you working on solutions <laughs> rather than answering my questions. But I don't know what well, you suggest. I, I would at this time say, yeah, they should contact me and, um, so that I can give you my, I prefer email. And I can list that. Um, I can list that in the show notes too of the podcast. Just have your email. If you're okay being emailed, then that's probably a lot more efficient than answering calls. Yeah. And, and you know, I do welcome uh, inquiries because that way I know that I need to kind of know what the uh, public or my my uh, stakeholders are thinking and what their concerns concerns are. You know, like they say, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, well, not always, but at least I need to know, you know, what is uh, what is concerning the agricultural producers. So it does help. Okay. And then if there are things that Sarah might might be dealing with that you're not, then you could just forward that along. As, as appropriate. We, we do um, forward emails between the two of us that we feel the uh, our, you know, the other person would be more appropriate to answer. But you, do you know off the top here, you have some examples of things that you know would be more Sarah's Kuliana than yours? Or? Well, you know, Sarah, as the uh, food system specialist, is basically working on this uh, uh, food system in Hawaii County. And she's also, you know, into like food safety. Uh, she is a certified trainer. So, you know, those kind of issues, I kind of like tell people from the point when you harvest the product, then it becomes her. <laughs> makes you it know. easy after right, after right. the first cut right <laughs> there you go yeah. yeah i i i'm the where you plant and grow it and then once it's harvested then it's but no we're not we don't have this thing uh responsibilities like that we do work on uh, issues and stuff like that so your priorities and focus change uh, regularly it sounds like your roles may have to shift a little bit based on those priorities too Sure, you have to be uh, flexible because you know if whatever is the current issue could be um, you know quickly changed by something else. Just in, in closing, any suggestions to ag producers out there about if they're dealing with some of these stressors or want want to, to move towards some of these innovations? Any anything you'd want to share to help them um, know how to well, best work with you? Well, first of all, I'd say that, you know, they should join an organization that meets their needs. Many of these organizations help to promote their products for marketing purposes, export, uh, network that allows you to network with the members to help help you with your business. Uh, the other part is, you know, to contact the uh, University of Hawaii College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources uh, when you have uh, problems, pests, or um, you don't know, basically you don't know what to do with a situation. They have the extension agents. They've got the support researchers, you know, whose job is to uh, work with producers. So typically technical assistance is delivered by the extension service. Is it correct that you help fund some of the CTAR positions? Is that true? We have made that proposal to CTAR that uh, when, we, when we're working on this Build Back Better Regional Challenge Phase 2 application, we contracted a consultant who did a 24-hour survey of the needs and extension personnel was the number one hit result that we got. So uh, the director Adams 
was willing to fund a half positions for two agents to increase the uh, extension service here on this island. We need to negotiate this with the uh, with the incoming dean. Well, the dean Comerford just retired, and so there is a interim dean, and we need to. Uh, since things are kind of settling down because of the end of the fiscal year, we'll be reaching out to them and starting to uh, negotiate on these two positions. Thanks, Sarah and Glenn, for sharing details of the work of a county R&D economic development office and how that relates to local agriculture production. As Glenn mentioned, each county operates independently in these roles, so while these discussions focus on Hawaii County and Hawaii Island, there will be other options for other counties and islands. But we hope that this sheds some light on the role that a county R&D office in Hawaii can serve to support ag producers throughout the islands. All sorts of things I now understand I didn't understand before we talked. So <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, because I think, you know, sometimes I think the county gets a bad rep, yeah, for, for things taking too long or, you know, but I think clearly you have a lot of variables you have to, and a lot of audiences you have to keep happy or, or whose needs have to be met. So it's not a simple yeah. process and um, it's only you two stretch very thin and trying, trying to manage and work with all these agencies and all these priorities and the change in, in administration of impacts you as well as federal sure. funds don't happen as promised. And, you know, it's not your fault, right? <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but all those variables, I think you're, as, as I was describing earlier, right? You're, you're boots on the ground. You're closest to the problem of all these agencies that, that have these funds. So I think people see you first or they're thinking you first when they're frustrated. So I think it's kind of, I think it's important for people to understand all the, the complexities of, of your roles. Well, thank you. Well, and thanks for offering to share your email address. So I'll do that as well as the county website in the show notes if, if people want to go there and, and ask you questions. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, you know, thank you for all the work you're doing and being on the you know front line of trying to, to do some of these, these innovative things on the islands. So uh, we appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. The intention of this podcast series is to create a safe space for respectful and inclusive dialogue with people from across a broad and diverse spectrum involved in growing and making accessible the food we share together. A diversity of voices, perspectives, and experiences can serve to deepen mutual understanding, to spark creative problem solving, and provide insight into the complexities of our agricultural system. If you, our listeners, have experiences with Hawaii agricultural ecosystems from small, older farms to large, even including multinational agricultural industrial companies, or anywhere in between, and you would like to share your story, please contact us. We welcome your voices and perspectives.